Hello and welcome back to Where Did It All Go Right? I'm Ali Jones with a cold. It's okay, I'm fine. Uh, I hope you've been enjoying listening to some of the stories from our guests and there are more to come. Now this week we find out all about being a playwright and an actor too. My guest is Tarek Jordan who is an actor and playwright, funnily enough. His very first play, Ali and Dahlia, is on at the Pleasance Theatre until the 14th of April. Now we met outside the British Library where you might hear a bit of birdsong and building work to hear about his career so far. It's lovely here. The British Library. It's beautiful. Thank you very much for uh, for talking to me here. Why do you like writing here? I just find the atmosphere is is conducive to create. You get people from all over, and they they're coming here to do different projects, and they're not necessarily in the arts. You've got professors working on the next books, university students, and I just love being surrounded by people who enjoy working I'm sure most of them don't enjoy working (laughs) but I remember when I first started coming here when I first decided to write it was very difficult to write for long periods of time so what I'd do is I would sit next to people who I thought looked like hard workers (laughs) and I'd sit next to them and I'd take a break when they took a break and then I'd go back when they went back to work because I, I had no reference I had no reference what is a good working day for a writer (laughs) and And when you're at home you can easily get distracted yeah yeah the distractions are horrendous but here it's it's just it's clear of clutter Mm -hmm. and also i find just seeing books because because i go into the reading rooms a lot i find just looking at books and books that are some of them are rare and are antiques seeing them I don't know, it's quite inspirational. Yeah, yeah. No, it's just walking into the building, it's yeah. wonderful. So your play, <laughs> it's on the London stage. It's on the London How stage. How does that feel? It feels amazing. I mean, this is the first play that I, I've written. And to be able to get it on on a stage in, in London alone is is, is huge. Yeah. And we've got I've got a wonderful director, Kerry Kiriakos Michael, and we've got three wonderful actors. We've got Wajali, Deli Segal, and Kai Spellman. And because it's my first play, you need a bit of guidance. <laughs> you need a bit of guidance as a writer. And they've all been so supportive, so I couldn't ask for more, really. And I'm interested because last night was a preview, and you were just doing a little bit of tweaking today. Yeah. So that still goes on, even when it's started. Yeah, it's very organic. So it, And it's still being worked. And my director has, has said... I don't want to hear any more notes. <laughs> I think he wants to focus on the things that he can focus on and not have me saying, oh, what about this slight change? So, yeah, butt out now. Yeah. Time for the writer needs to butt he out. He said, just, just go away. Just go away. <laughs> Enjoy your day. And then we'll see you at the theatre later for the next preview. But it, what's great is everyone is working together to bring this story alive. Mm. So you can't ask for more. So let's talk about this story because... Um, it's fascinating. It's all inspired by something that happened to you when you were in Tel Aviv. If you can just tell us that story. Yeah, so it's inspired by a few things. Firstly, the my own background, which is my mother's Russian Jewish and my father's Iraqi Muslim. So I've always been intrigued with the idea of exploring a love story between two people who we predominantly see through the stories that come out of that region as not meant to be together and of course there are people are meant to be together irregardless of their race faith sexuality so 
I I wanted to explore that, and the I was working in Palestine for a few weeks in 2014, and when I arrived in Tel Aviv. I was held for 12 hours overnight by by this individual at the airport, and ultimately it came down to the fact that he couldn't accept that I had a Jewish mother and a Muslim father, and that I was rather proud of both sides. And it was this idea of he didn't see me as having any connection to the Jewish faith because my mum married a Muslim, and therefore in some way it was devoid and I've just found that really strange and I guess I wanted to explore that the, the, the first reaction is you, you want to get angry but after that you're like okay well as an artist you have to pose questions to some of the most difficult things that you see in, in the world and that's ultimately what I wanted to do. Were you terrified when you, when you were held for 12 Yeah there, there were moments where you know this guy has got a gun and you also know that you're not seen in a good light. I was held in this holding area with many other Arabs from all over the world. And when it's your turn to go in to be questioned, and then they send you out and then in and out. And, and he, he was very confrontational with me. I think I tried to match that. And I was like, no, don't fall into that trap because you're going to be you're going to be deported, you'll be sent to a detention centre, which happens a lot. A lot of people get sent to a detention centre and then sent back to their where the, their home country. And But there were, some, there were some quite funny moments, strangely enough. So my, tele, my phone was taken off me and everything was searched, all my contacts. And he said, initially he said, do you know anyone in Iran or Lebanon? And I, I said, no, no, I don't. And then he went through my phone, and no one likes having their phone taken, being searched. It, you know, we have all our social media on there. And he turned my phone around to me at one point, and he said, you've been lying to me all along. And of course, when someone says that, you're like... Heart in mouth moment. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You think, have, have I been lying to him all along? I really didn't know. And he said, you told me you didn't know anyone in Lebanon. And he turned my phone around, and there was a contact on the screen called Lebanese Alley. And I'm like, Lebanese Ali, it doesn't even make sense. What is that? And he said, who is this? I said, I don't know. I, I don't know. And then immediately I went on the defensive and said, you've put that into my phone. You've typed that in. I thought, don't, you know, don't try that with me. You've put that into my phone. And he started getting quite angry, quite, quite aggressive. And he said, who, who is that? Tell me now. And he was waving my passport around. He said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to destroy this. I'm going to destroy this. And all I'm thinking at the time, madly enough, I I am... I find humor a, a way of dealing with things. So all I'm thinking is, can he say he's lost it rather than destroy it? Because that's what my travel insurance covers. <laughs> it covers loss, but it doesn't cover destruction. I, you know, 150 pounds is quite a lot to me. <laughs> so at that moment, he's, he's saying all of this to me. And, and then I remembered, oh, wow, I, I know who that contact is. And it was a local kebab house when I was at uni 10 years earlier. <laughs> And you're looking at this and you think, this is mad, Did you it? have to say that to I him? I had to say and that to him. he wouldn't have believed he, he was just, he didn't believe me. He didn't believe the fact that I, had, I referred to myself as, as, as Jewish because I had a Jewish mother. So the whole thing, he, he probably thought, I don't know what he was thinking, but it, it just came across as bizarre. Mm. The whole experience was bizarre. 
but it led to where we are now yeah. in a way and and your background as well do you think you would have even written a play if you hadn't had that experience and you wouldn't have had the background that you had I, th- I think always I, I would have done that was a route that I wanted to go down I started off acting and I still do act but I always wanted to tell my own stories because I find that everyone has unique stories and I think as an actor you're kind of you see a lot of the time we take on other people's stories and I've always had a, a catalogue of stories under, under my belt and I think I was always afraid of writing it's quite a daunting experience yeah. staring at a laptop for all those hours in, in the library <laughs> but you're also putting yourself out there aren't you because everyone yeah. is, yeah. is reading it it's or listening ve- yeah. to it yeah you feel very very vulnerable and because it's exposing your, your words feel yeah I guess having your words read out in even in all well, your think, barriers are yeah down, aren't they? yeah you 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 feel very exposed and it's no it's it's a shock mm. it can be a shock but so what gave you the impetus to go right I'm going to do this then because because you because you became you became an actor first like you said mm. but you um, your whole background when you were at school because I, I know that you you had quite I'm going to use the word interesting. That's not a good word. You had a, 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 a difficult upbringing. You were homeless. Oh yeah. So for, for for two years, I was I was homeless from the age of around eleven to thirteen, and that was in hostels in in London. And I was surrounded by people from all over the world, and I guess each one had had a story to tell and I always felt I was a collector of stories I used to ask people where did you come from and what have you seen along your journey here and even though I I had only come from the northern part of the UK to the southern part I I still felt well even though they came from halfway across across the world we still had something very much in common which was we were in this place and we all wanted to find a safe haven a place of belonging a place of acceptance and fundamentally we have so much more in common than divides any any of us as as human beings but i was fascinated with all the stories that i would hear and there were some horrific stories that you know people people human beings amaze me at what they can endure and the struggles that they go through and i think i always wanted to tell some of those stories in in some way and i think my experiences working in in the west bank really really left a mark and i wanted to look at okay we've got we've got palestinians on one side of this wall and israelis on the other how can i get two people to meet and let's see the difficulties that they would face in keeping a relationship mm. alive mm. and and there's a lot i mean a physical barrier is it, i mean it is immense when you see that west bank wall you just kind of think to yourself walls only create segregation and if there's any chance of unity it won't happen with a physical barrier mm. ultimately mm. because the the mind then becomes hardwired to think in terms of 
barriers because that's what it sees. Mm. That's what it sees every day. Mm. So did you feel that you were there was quite a part of you that had a unified existence as a child even though you were homeless because there was a group of you who were all displaced yeah, absolutely and you were all in it together really mm. we the the struggle you share the struggle together so whether that struggle be getting food whether that struggle be finding clothes for the younger kids who were living in the hostels even finding a pan to cook and it's those simple things that once you experience that it really makes you appreciate what everything you've worked for later in life and I think just seeing all the things that have come my way it really makes me appreciate that just because I'm able to compare it to what I didn't have necessarily when I was uh, when I was uh, going through that two-year period. So during that two years, when you had, you know you did, couldn't find a pan and, and mm-hmm. it was really everything was incredibly difficult. Did you manage to get to school and learn? I don't understand how you managed to get to drama school when you. Uh, I missed a lot of school. Yeah. I'll be honest. In that time, I missed, and now you're I, writing and you missed a lot of school. Yeah, how did you I, do I, it? I missed a lot of schooling, but I was always good at faking it. <laughs> <laughs> the actor in you. I, yeah, I was. I would. I think I would always pretend and put on a bit of a persona that I'd had a different education than I'd had. And and it was this thing of, I guess you get used to the idea of being the underdog. And it's quite exciting when suddenly you can see a vision of the future that maybe you, you'd always dreamed of. And when you can see it opening up. So for me, just getting my play done as a play reading you start to see a vision of the possibilities and it just makes you it just makes you fight to achieve even more and who there's a quote by oh (laughs) it's by dr seuss dr seuss and it said hardships are just a preparation for extraordinary outcomes it's something along those lines. I, I like the I like the gist of that. It's brilliant. But I, I believe in that ultimately. Yeah. So did you feel when you got into drama school that you thought I actually shouldn't be here because I've kind of um, I've acted a bit to get in here and I I've, I've had a really you know there's all these other people probably from far more privileged backgrounds or did it make you think actually I'm really glad I'm here because I've fought. There was a bit of that. I didn't have the qualifications <laughs> to actually get in. I'll be honest with you. So how did you do it? I can't remember what I did. <laughs> they obviously thought you were good enough anyway. I'm hoping, I hope so. Yeah, I did have to explain to them that some of the credits I have, and I still don't understand all the university credits, it's so complicated. I did have to explain to them at one point, and I think I had to retake certain things, go to an adult college to just boost up these credits that you didn't even know what they were for you're just like give me the tokens give me the tokens so I can get into drama school and and eventually I got in but then it is all about celebrating stories that's what drama school is about it's about exploring different stories stories that you're not necessarily get going to get to audition for as an actor who is from a certain ethnic background as well so that's what I loved that's why I love. And, and at that point, did you think, I, this is what I want to do, acting? Or did you, even at that point, think, no, I'm going to write and tell stories? I, th- I always knew I wanted to, to act. And my, the first thing I wanted to do was be a dancer. That was the first thing. As a kid, 
I wanted to be a dancer and I was obsessed with Gene Kelly and Gene Kelly, there's an element of that in the play. <laughs> I was asked, why did you add this? What does it, what does, what's the relevance to the character? And I just had to be honest and said, say, I loved Gene Kelly so as why a kid. Not? Why not? It's yeah. my play. It's, yeah. <laughs> but that was that. Yeah, I, I just wanted to get Gene Kelly in there some way. I'm interested. So I'm intrigued this, how, that's, this, how that's happening. Young Palestinian boy growing up in the West Bank who dreams of being Gene Kelly. Oh, fabulous! <laughs> as a kid, you could have cast yourself in the play as well, couldn't you? Do some writers do that? A lot of writers do. At this point in my career, I don't think I could have acted while dealing with the constant cuts that were being thrown at me. Yeah, I if, too much. Oh, it was it it was an it was something I I hadn't prepared for in terms of okay, you've got your story, but then you have to make it work on the stage, and that requires a lot of remolding. And I think as an actor, the mindset is slightly different you know you're trying to protect every line well as a writer you're thinking oh that those lines need to go because it doesn't help the story move forward so it it does slightly yeah yeah. so i'm i'm glad because i've got to see three amazing actors bring bring my work to to life with 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 my director i couldn't ask for more than that and i'm I'm interested about your director because you know you've got a great venue you've got Mm. a great director so you write something how do you then, what's the next stage? Because that must be, in a way, the easy bit. You've then got to get it on a stage, get a director. How did that all happen for you? So I have known Kerry for many years. I did a show with him when he was the artistic director at Theatre Royal Stratford East. And we've been friends ever, ever since then. He and the Pleasance, so the head of the Pleasance, was organised one of the first readings of the play. And I remember he contacted me about a year after that and I was a, I worked as a secondary school teacher I've, I've had a few careers you have. I've had a few careers we can go back to that in a minute it's fine <laughs> and <laughs> I was working as a secondary school teacher at this point and he I, got, I remember him contacting me and he said what happened to that play did anything happen to it and of course I, I said so much interest so much interest you wouldn't <laughs> believe it this is lying again yeah so much interest <laughs> and uh, why do you ask and he said because if nothing is happening with it then i think i might have a slot for you and then suddenly i'm like actually the interest hasn't been as much as i would have liked so therefore can we meet tomorrow <laughs> tomorrow <laughs> um, and it, it that's kind of how it happened wow the, so it, yeah. he must have remembered that then yeah he um, remembered it and so that that's was amazing lovely. you must yeah. have made an impression and how far, how long ago after the, the it, initial week i think it was about a year okay. yeah it must have been or just under a year so it was very touching when he he contacted me and said let's see if we can get the ball rolling and at that stage is that when you think right I'm jacking the teaching in there so because a lot of actors do a bit of teaching don't they on the side was this a full-time job so I trained as a teacher I got qualified skilled up trained as a teacher did my PGCE I went through that phase of let's get your backup career (laughs) (laughs) we've all done I I love (laughs) you know I'll always want to act but it was that thing of okay let's look at a backup career but teaching children is probably mon- one of the most rewarding professions you can be in. And you learn so much as a storyteller as well, because children learn by immersing themselves into the world of stories. 
So I was writing a lot of the the play while I was at school. Which, when you were supposed to be marking home, oh, it, I mean, I had some embarrassing moments. I had one young lad who was called Hamad, but it was spelled H-A-M-A-D, and I was doing reports. And as a teacher, you've got 350 reports every term, and there's only so many adjectives you can use to tell <laughs> to tell parents how well the children are doing. So you do go a bit loopy in the head. However, but because I was also I was still working on this play every now and again it was it was like my baby and every now and again I'd pull it out and I was working on it and then I went back to a report and I'd accidentally <laughs> called this lad Hamas throughout the whole report and so when you've got your principal calling you into the office and said do you want to read that first line and I'm reading it thinking and I'm reading it and the line is I love working with Hamas and I'm like, oh my goodness. Oh good, job, my, good job the head good, checked. Good job that the, the head teacher checked. And uh, yeah, so, so things like that. But you know, you have to, you, you look back and working with children actually informed a lot of my, a lot of the play looks at the, the youth and these two kids growing up on opposite sides of the West Bank wall and as children they see a possibility of being together and they see ways of overcoming every obstacle that's placed in their ways and you get that working with children you get the the curiosity that i think unfortunately is being killed off in in young people today partly because of the structuring of the education system and also the the strength of character we seem to drill this out of children from a young age and that always shocks me mm. we should be celebrating that as much as possible mm. is that something then you potentially would ever go back to because um if you love doing it and it's difficult when you're doing lots mm. of other things but um and you say that you learn lots from the children as well but it's it's an inspiring thing isn't it and and i, I bet it sort of has really inspired the work that you do and mm. you, you think about it all the time yeah it, I, i'll always remember my time as a teacher and Every now and again, I I do call up my old my old school and just go in. <laughs> and seeing children that maybe were a little bit um, not not very confident, and because drama yeah. really so helps I, with yeah. that, doesn't it? So I taught taught drama, and what I found was when when children learn that they have a voice, it's one of the most powerful things. And you're not giving them a voice; you're just creating a safe space for them to feel free because it's there already and you know you've got children who don't have these barriers and these filters and sensors that have been placed on them and then what happens is unfortunately when we get to adulthood we're trying to then strip that away and get back to our true nature so yeah i think i'll i'll definitely want to work with children in some capacity but that could also be from my writing as well yeah that's that's exciting and also um when you taught them did they say, were they a little bit like, oh, our teacher's been in Marcella and... Uh... So I did an episode of EastEnders and played a doctor. And I, had, I think I had about four or five lines. And it's interesting working from, because I started in primary and then I moved to secondary. So a typical line from a primary school child would be, I remember I asked them on after they'd come back after the summer holiday, tell me what you want to be when you know when you're older and you get the typical lines this is from the primary kids of I want to be fabulous so that's a typical line I'd get from a primary school kid 
secondary it's a whole different level <laughs> and the attitude starts to sink in and I remember I did a EastEnders and this one this uh, young girl came up to me and she said sir saw you in EastEnders why did you come back here <laughs> <laughs> and you, you know your answer of because I love teaching they don't quite no, believe it they it. really don't they believe want, it why aren't you down at Elstree Studios yeah and I did ask them I said I said but why wouldn't I be back here she said because you must have got like 50,000 pounds why would you come back here I was like well it's a lot less than that I, I, I can say that for sure yeah and I love teaching. <laughs> <laughs> you you t- teach them the realities of, of, yeah. of what it is actually to be like yeah. an actor. And, and, and you, but you, I love, I, I just love the openness from them. Yeah. And because, and, and, I mean, that's some of the stuff you've done, though, Doctor Who and Spooks, they must have been like, this oh, is amazing. They were Googling, Googling me nonstop uh. and occasionally just printing out pictures of screenshots of the TV jobs <laughs> I'd done, <laughs> which, which can be awkward. But at the same time, it's nice. I think it's nice for kids to know that their teachers are also striving for things in their life as well. Mm. And that just you don't need to be just defined as one thing. I will always in some way want to work with young people. It's, it's a wonderful thing to do. But at the same time, you want to, I want to share my love of stories. And, and that love of stories can come from writing them, but also performing them. Yeah. So at the moment, are you at a, in a situation where you still want to act, but you're writing as well? Is one pulling more than the other? At the moment, you're, you're so into this play, I suppose, that that's the big thing for you. But would you quite like to do both? Yeah, I, I would, and and I guess you, it varies depending on the story. If the story, you have to tell stories that you want to tell, and if there's not a role for you in it, you can't do anything about it. Because when you were in EastEnders or Spooks, were you looking at the scripts going, oh, I could have written that better? <laughs> I mean... I'm sure you do, I'm sure at, you will. At first, you, you, you do read some scripts, and you, you may be thinking, okay, this is interesting, but... For I mean, on, on things like that, they're written, the, the turnaround is incredibly high. I've struggled with writing a play with a bit more time. So I do feel for, for those writers. I, I don't know how they do it. Yeah. Are your students going to come to your play? Uh, and are you, are you going to be reading the reviews? Because it's all kind of gearing up now to the, to the mm-hmm. big, big press night. I don't know if some of the students were. I think they're just a bit too young. Yeah. Maybe some of the secondary kids in the... See, their reviews have probably been more scary <laughs> than the critics, don't you think? Because yeah. they'll be very honest. Yeah. No, so well, it's probably the, best the, to read the paper <laughs> reviews. <laughs> I, and, well, in terms of reviews... I, I've never read a review for because this is my first play. I've never read a review for my writing, so I, I don't know. I don't know quite how how I'll feel yet. Yeah, I really don't know. Did we'll you read see. reviews for when you were acting. I used to. I used to read them straight after press night, which <laughs> is a really bad idea. And <laughs> and then not take them on board or completely take them on board. Well, ultimately, you have to remember that they're just people's opinions at the end yeah. of the day, and you're telling a story because you believe in this story. So you. Someone always told me, if you get one stars and four or five stars, then you've done really well because you've uh, you've caused, a, you know, you've caused a bit of that marmite situation. People either love something or they hate it. So they said that's your worst case scenario. So anything else, just just enjoy. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. So kind of what we've talked about already, and looking back to where you are now with the, with a play opening, and it's all incredibly exciting. The pivotal moments for you in, in, in where it all, all went right, I mean, 
we have to go back to sort of bad times in a way mm. that made better times because the, the, the interrogation um, that gave gave you the sort of the idea, but also the, the the two really tough years when you were homeless. In a way, would you agree? Yeah, I think you have to you have to look at everything that you experience and think what has it taught me what has it taught me and I, I remember there was instance where I was traveling around the West Bank with young kids and the you know being stopped at checkpoints and seeing young kids and the bravery was was quite incredible and it taught me something that I didn't even know I about and but what 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 I, I think I think in the play I, I wanted to explore through through youth because the youth are very open and they want to feel a sense of belonging they they don't see each other as divided and they see more of the commonalities and I think yeah as adults we we, we, we don't see that anymore so just meeting young people on my on my travels and and even in Israel because I've traveled around Israel quite a lot as well and just talking to young people I think in some way it all filters back into into the story mm. yeah and if anyone is, is listening in there thinking that's something I'd really like to do mm. I'm, I'm still studying but I want to I want to get my play mm. on the stage what would be your brilliant words of advice how do you get it out there because it because you you knew um, a director through your acting work mm. so it's kind of one thing led to another but if you're just starting out it's tough isn't it yeah I mean look I've got I've got rejection letters that I could fill a room with <laughs> you're going to get that but what is amazing is when you look back and you you remember the journey and it's it's all part of the process you just have to keep telling stories i do believe ultimately if if the if it's the right time the story will just happen mm. and because we are short of we are short of new stories today a lot of the stuff that we see is adaptations so we, we are we are short of new new stories new myths so we need we need stories right now mm. we need them because as human beings we thrive off that and i just say just keep don't give up i mean i know it sounds so simple everyone says that don't give up but really you just have to go for it what have you got to lose i mean you know life could be so much worse <laughs> well yeah and also you're right with so many rejection letters you could have just given up but if you're getting your stories out there yeah. and you're also right about i haven't thought about stories that often children read some of them are hundreds of years old yeah and it's really good to get new stuff out isn't absolutely it? absolutely yeah. I mean, just kind of i feel like we we feel secure in the stories that we know have worked in the past and we'll just keep hold of that and rehash them so we need new, new voices we need voices from backgrounds that we've not had an insight into yet people who feel their life experiences are not represented in the stories that we see today is really important and the next thing that I'm going to be writing is, is about my time as a young boy growing up homeless because at that time it was really difficult to see anyone who looked like me in any of the stories I was reading in that situation mm. and I so 
that's something I, want, I think I always want to explore. So you're going to do that. So timescale-wise, how, how long does that take? Does it, is it, are you in the British Library for, like, years? So I think with this, with this <laughs> next one, I will give myself a structure and a timetable. That's something I learned from being a teacher. Give yourself a timetable. It's very easy as a writer to just say, oh, I'll write, you know, in between the day job, which you have to do. You have to earn money. You need, the, you need money to survive. And, but I, I think give yourself a strict structure know how many hours you're going to get in each day and add those hours up because really writing can can take a, sh- a short amount of time or you can stretch it out for as long as you want I mean it can it, I know people have been writing things for years and you just have to give yourself a deadline yeah yeah because otherwise you could be doing yeah, it forever. yeah and you want to get it out there you want people to see yeah, it and hear yeah. it it's no good if it's, if it's just on your laptop yes yeah. yeah that's exciting though so you, that's what that's what you're going to be working on and what other things sort of would you like to do more more acting roles yeah I'd, i i mean i still audition for things and but i think just telling telling stories or I mean this is why I love meeting meeting people as well because everyone's got stories to tell mm. and occasionally you just hear a story and you think we've not heard that before and that's when my eyes light up and I oh I'd like to I'd like to find an avenue avenue into that yeah. so yeah. so you're going to be focusing on writing plays not writing school reports with wrong yeah. names in. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely <laughs> well listen best of luck with the play it sounds thank like you. it's going to be thank amazing so it's already amazing and uh, it's really lovely to meet you you too thank, thank you. you thanks well, hope you enjoyed hearing Tarek's amazing stories. And don't forget, you can rate us on iTunes. You can subscribe as well. And we are on Podbean, on Spotify and at Twitter at Where Go Right. I am sure you are all dying to know what producer Megan is up to. I think she is en route to Colombia. Uh, she's been editing the podcast in the dark under a mosquito net to escape being bitten again. <laughs> so just have that image while you listen to the podcast next week as well. Uh, Thanks so much for listening and we'll speak to you next week.